When the war is over, the following will happen in short order. The Dominion will be forced back to the Gamma Quadrant. The Cardassian Empire will be occupied. The Klingon Empire will spend the next 10 years recovering from the war and won't pose a serious threat to anyone. That leaves two powers to vie for control of the Quadrant. The Federation and the Romulans. This war isn't over. And you're already planning for the next. Well put. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for our main event! What are you, Bruce Campbell and Spider-Man 1? Well, that could Let's be Michael Buffer. Let's get ready to podcast! Welcome, listeners, to the 50th episode of The Frustrated Fans. Hello. How did we get here? Uh, it has Hello. been a painfully. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Oh, it has been a long journey and a strange one. That it has. Well, along the way, what have what have we all done? We've covered Star Trek, God knows how many times. We've covered Turtles a couple of times, thanks to me. Yep. I'm being insistent on that. We we may we watched Jeremy lose his mind over a, a cat mel- melting into ice cream because of that. Yep. We <laughs> we both saw a really really shitty Dragon Ball Z movie in theaters. And no, I'm not gonna let that up. That movie was garbage. Let's yeah, rest enough. We saw Resurrection F, yeah. <laughs> we, oh, Sit even in a, with a bunch of freaking super nerds. And we, oh yeah, and we talked about how uh, how Scott Summers is basically just the worst. Alex is back for <laughs> oh, yeah. this episode. Yeah. This is true. We talked about Transformers Man. a couple times, too. Right, Joe? <sighs> I wish I was there for those. You were there for one of them. Remember was the other? Oh, yeah, yeah, Jurassic Park. Oh, my yeah. God. <laughs> I forget. I forget about right. that one. No, just, just, just. Oh, that's why we asked you back. There are good moments <laughs> once in a while. Oh yeah, this not to say we didn't cover good. We covered good movies too. Yeah, we talked about Justice League: The New Frontier. Yeah, I don't think I saw that one. <laughs> we also covered a non-DCAU movie made with DCAU models that really drove Jeremy insane. Oh, Brady Architects. <laughs> How? Uh, uh, God, <laughs> attacks! Oh God! I see what they were going for it, going for with that movie, but you're oh, they were going for something. They were going for something. Aiming for the moon and hitting London. Oh, God, it was more like aiming for the moon and destroying half the city. <laughs> well, like they fired a rocket and it just kind of went eh, right back down again. <laughs> Sort of fell back under it. See, I was argued they didn't even get off the launch pad, but that's just me. <laughs> just blew up immediately. Aiming for the moon and hitting London. Isn't that what they did in the G.I. Joe movie? The second one. Yep. <laughs> the first one destroyed Paris. Yeah, just the Eiffel Tower. There's a theme here. Oh, yeah. They made G.I. Joe movies, didn't they? Anyway, uh, do we introduce ourselves or something? Well, I briefly mentioned your name, but why don't you guys go ahead and introduce yourselves and... Anything you want to plug? Hi, I'm Alex. I am a game designer from Massachusetts. Uh, you can check out my website at alexanderjersey.com. Oh my god, I'm doing that. <laughs> yeah, that's the idea. Go ahead, Joe. Check out my website. Read my fan fictions. I don't have any fan fictions <laughs> on my website. At least now that you publish publicly. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I do have fan fictions, but they're all on fanfiction.net. 
Joe, go ahead. Introduce yourself. Plug yourself. So, my name is Joe, and on my channel, called Second or None, I am known as Jobot. I do really, really crappy Let's Plays over terrible games that no one's heard of in the last 30 years. And hey, I like the 60, 60 seconds or less one. Oh, was that? I'm coming back to that, too, because I need to beat that. Which is... Yeah, I want to see the end there. What, which and games? he did that oh, Mega up. Man thing leading up to Mighty Number no. Nine. That oh yeah, oh, God. that was a trap to see. Mighty Number no. Nine still isn't out. <laughs> they said they said spring 2016. I still have more games. I'm just like listen. I'm gonna I'm gonna run out and I'm not playing Battle Network or Command Mission to try to fill videos. So <laughs> we could always play the uh, Mega Man PC game. I've played the first one on the channel. It's just not in the playlist. Okay. Isn't Sorry. there a Doom mod that where you play as the different robot masters? There is. There absolutely is. There's a there's a mod for Zelda Classic where you can, that's a Mega Man mod. Oh, if I ever run out, I've got plenty of fan games to go to. I got Unlimited. I've got it's 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 crazy. I want the one from JKB Games, Corrupted. <laughs> so yeah, we uh we were hoping to get um two more guests, but unfortunately they couldn't be here. A local Trekkie from my area, who uh, runs local meetup group, but she had to drop, and a future guest who, uh, by the name of uh, Chris, who probably when we cover either the Dungeons and Dragons movie. <laughs> wait, why, or, why, uh, wait, when were we watching that? You never just—I don't know. It was my idea. Uh, it, uh, well, well, you know what? Jokes on you. I saw it in theaters. <laughs> I saw it on Sci-Fi Channel. Okay, or we cover. We was thinking we could do the Dungeons and Dragons cartoon. Point is, he's not here. He will, um, but he will be in a future episode. Yep. So we are gathered here to mourn the loss of the t- <laughs> generation. Gathered here today, <laughs> as it went out not with the bang, not with the good, good uh, ending that it had, like the predecessor had Star Trek Six, but with Star Trek Nemesis. And awkward silence. I feel like, oh. I feel like Jeremy's going to want to kill me by the end of this. <laughs> Probably. No, you're not the only. No. I have heard. I, I saw your notes. I have heard much worse defenses for this movie. One of my friends said, "I like it because the action was neat." No. 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 You know. Not, you at least yeah. have points. Like I'll put it this way. I have no. If you like this movie, that's fine. I like Star Trek Five. Okay. Because when I watch it, I just see a parody of all that is Star Trek, and I find it hilarious. <laughs> um, I knew that wasn't the intent, but that's how it is, and that's how I enjoy it. It was Will Shatner with way too much power. Yes, and it was hilarious. It's like in Futurama, where Leonard Nimoy goes, when I directed Bill in Star Trek Four, I got a great performance out of him, because I respect him so much. And then William Shatner's like, yeah, and when I just directed Star Trek Five, I got a great performance out of me, because I respect me so much. <laughs> Oh, he's coming. Uh, Will Shatner's actually coming to St. Louis Comic Con in a week. I, so. I do want to huh. say, if you really think about it, most of the, in fact, there's only one good Next Generation movie. It's First, first contact. contact. Yeah, I yeah. agree. I don't think anyone's going to disagree with you on that. So, I guess the, I don't know what the pattern is. It's it's the even ones that are good and the odd ones that suck. But well, Next Generation just kind of. <laughs> Broke it, I know. <sighs> yep. Well, Generations was there, so the main disagreement among fans is that, is this worse, or is Insurrection worse? This. Insurrection is far worse. Listen, listen. I agree with Joe. They I... said, 
boobies or boobs without <laughs> irony in Insurrection. If you do that in a Star Trek thing, you you've lost the plot. You know, I don't. It's been so long since I've seen Insurrection. Like I remember it being sort of a mediocre Next Generation episode. Worf had a pimple. Wait, 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 wait. Worse than that, Worf had no explanation to be there in the movie. They, he literally just shows up in the ship. Picard goes, Worf, what the hell are you doing here? And two seconds later, after he starts explaining, he's like, wait, we gotta move on. They don't have, explain why Worf's there. I have more important things to do to listen to your crap, Worf. <laughs> I resent you for developing your character more on another show. You, Damn, be, page. you chose this, Worf. <laughs> Oh my god! Oh, that would be well, so hilarious. So, Alex, obviously, Jeremy thinks this one, Nemesis is worse, and Joe and I think Insurrection is worse. Do you have an opinion on which one or another? Which is I the worst think one? Into Darkness is worse. Oh, <laughs> shots fired! <laughs> Take the third route. <laughs> the actual rack of cotton ripoff. Because I don't yeah. remember yeah. the other... Like, I remember First Contact, because First Contact was good. I honestly kind of forgot about this movie, too, until you, you guys invited me back onto the show, so... <laughs> Am I the only one who really, really does not like the rebooted movies? Like I don't like them, them either. Okay. Yeah, I like no. The two th- no, I don't like I them. like the 2009 one. Into Darkness was garbage. Into Darkness... Yeah, uh, could have been good if it didn't have Khan. I agree. If it, they have exactly. done their own damn thing, which is the whole point of rebooting something in the first place. Right. Oh my gosh. So, <laughs> Star Trek Nemesis is also another film that could have been good. Could have actually been about Star Trek, and instead was somebody's mediocre sci-fi novel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That should never well, have gotten published. We'll talk about that after our first break. We're being hailed, sir. Yana, stand by. Open a channel. I hope you're still alive, Jean-Luc. Oh, yes, I am. Don't you think it's time to surrender? Why should the rest of your crew have to die? Shenzhen, I don't think I ever told you about my first Academy evaluation. In particular, I was thought to be extremely... Overconfident. So he kicked him in the head till he was dead. <laughs> that was brutal. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Star Trek Nemesis. Uh, yeah. Star Trek Nemesis. Well, just a brief... First of all, before we get started, what is our experiences with the franchise? For um, Guests can go first, please. Uh, i got to find my place of Joe. Oh. Uh, with the franchise in general, yeah, I was raised on the Next Generation. Like when I was a little kid, that's that's the show that was currently going on. And as I get older, I keep on getting more and more out of that particular show. Like when I was a little kid, like I had kind of had a rough childhood, and the circumstances around it left me kind of emotionally stunted. So I really identified with Data, who was always trying to figure out how to get along with the crew with less friction. So I was learning as he was learning. And as an adult, I look back at it and I see all of the social commentary that Roddenberry was trying to do with the show. Like, he tackled issues of race, religion, creed, and sometimes even sexual identity. 
which is something that today's society really needs to revisit because it was just like the best example of what he thought humanity could be. I don't disagree with that. Although, let's be honest here, Roddenberry also knew how to milk the series for every about a cent he could. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, a man who believed that the future economy would have no money made a lot of money doing it. Yeah. Such as writing lyrics for the theme song that were never used just so he could make (laughs) licensing rights money off of it. Yep. So, I was a late bloomer into Star Trek. Um, my mom was big into sci-fi shows back when sci-fi shows weren't shuttered from kiddos. So, like, Babylon 5, DS9, Next Generation, my mom loved that stuff, and I watched it alongside her. Um, uh, so, we actually had VHF's copy of First Contact. Uh, so that was my big introduction into Star Trek, but I didn't until I was a teenager. Um, I got into a really rough patch um, when I was a teenager when it, they started airing it on Spike TV, and I just took to it like a moth to flame. Like I would come home and like throw my backpack aside, or rush downstairs. It was like it was freaking Pokemon, and I was eight years old. <laughs> Um, Star Trek has it, it's become really important to me because it's shaped a lot of my philosophies of, and, and a lot of my politics of just like how I see the world. You know, I, I do kind of use Star Trek as a means of measuring that sort of thing. Star Trek encourages us to be who we are and push the limits of what that means. It discusses the ethics of things that we didn't even have precedent for. You know, if, if we think about um, the the episodes about whether or not data has rights. I think Star Trek is one of the most important pieces of culture that America has ever produced. So yeah, I'm big into the franchise. <laughs> I'll go next. I grew up with the franchise. My parents were fans of the original series more when it came out in the syndication than when it originally ran. So I'm, I grew up watching Next Generation. I Alongside them, I grew up with um, Star- one of the movies on VHS growing up, Star Trek IV, being the most prominent. And we would rent the others except five. I still have not seen five. I don't know if I can. Um, totally going to cover it at some point. No, we're not. Um, we'll do it and, without him. Um, <laughs> yeah, my younger self really absorbed what I was watching. Um I know, uh, but I didn't see like the tel- most of the show till well, very much college, and um, I haven't watched all of. I haven't watched a good portion of DS9 or Voyager, but or Enterprise. But if uh, if the reviewer SF Debris is to be believed, I don't think I'm missing much with the latter two. So, Jeremy, uh, I was a fan of the original show when I was very little. I would watch it with my dad. Uh, and then I got into TNG in elementary school, but I kind of dropped off of Trek fandom for a while shortly after I saw Generations in theaters, which, outside of the reboots, that's the only one I've seen in theaters. Um, I did get back into it shortly after starting college. A friend of mine brought over the movies on VHS, and honestly, it was between watching 4, 6, and First Contact that really brought me back into enjoying these and uh, I've seen almost everything by this point. I've watched all of TNG, I've watched all of DS9, I've watched all of Voyager, I've watched all of Enterprise. 
Uh, I just haven't watched all of the original show yet, but I intend to get around to that. And I've seen all the movies repeatedly. Oh, we've even watched fan productions like Star Trek Renegade. <laughs> yeah, I know you weren't a fan. Neither was I. Pretty garbage. So the next question for all of us is, did you see this movie when it came out? Um, I'll start us off. No, I did not see Nemesis in theaters. I only saw Generations at the Cheap Show and, unfortunately, Insurrection in theaters. Uh, and I missed the good one, First Contract. So I did – the first time I caught this was a year or two after it came out. It was my first year of college, and my college had a movie channel that they published um, on our our TV networks. So that just ran movies 24 hours a day. So that's where I saw it for the first time. So, I yeah. did see this in theaters. At the time I was a kid, um, like I said, I hadn't really gotten into the franchise uh, I'd seen some DS9, some Next Generation, but my big experience was with uh, First Contact. And I really understood what was going on in First Contact, but I still, you know, loved the movie. Um, but when I saw I was like, when, when did this movie come out? 2002, so it was 12. Um, mm-hmm. So when I saw Nemesis in theaters, I knew that there was just something wrong with it. I didn't really, wasn't really cognizant of, like, what makes a movie good or what makes it bad. But at the time I like, I just knew something was bad about this movie. I knew I didn't like Shinzon as a villain, but I'm a huge Romulan fan. So I was happy to see Romulans, but I hated Shinzon because I felt that he was taken away so much from the Romulans, but we'll get that. We'll get to that. I didn't see this in theaters as at this point I was still not in Trek and like I was just out of Trek. Um, but I heard things here and there. I know a bunch of my friends saw it and they actually liked it when they saw it. And I think I heard the big spoiler about data, but I couldn't remember. Um, I finally did watch it when it just came on cable. And at the time I actually was kind of okay with it because it was one of the first Star Trek things I had seen in forever. So it's like when you have gone, God, I think I went like about almost 10 years without actually watching any Star Trek. So I didn't mind it all that much. Um, But over the years, well, we'll get into that. Well, I did see this one in theaters, and here's why. Because my family, we're all huge Trekkies, and we watched every Star Trek movie that came out in theaters. But we were thinking about not watching this one until we heard that the actors were actually really excited about it, you know, Paramount was excited about it. The first three movies, all the actors were contractually obligated to do. And I think that's why they mostly sucked, except for First Contact, of course. Is that it was just something they did to get out of the contract. So when we heard that, you know, Brent Spiner was really, really excited about it, and there was this feeling that it was going to be the last movie, which is something that I guess somehow circulated to me, but not everyone else. Uh, we kind of packed up and went to see it. I, I have mixed feelings about the movies, but, you know, for me, it, it's first contract, then, like, a big gap down <laughs> to uh, to Nemesis, and then Generations and Insurrection. Hmm. Okay. So, Jeremy, I think we should probably ask, say why we chose the new Nemesis for 50. Well, before Pete and I decided to do the podcast, um, one day we were chatting over Xbox Live, and I was going through, like, Amazon's movies, and I saw Nemesis was up on there. 
And I was like, all right, I'll try rewatching it. I hadn't seen it in years. I was probably watching Netflix on something else yeah. at the time, but you, we could talk over Xbox Live. Exactly. So. And within minutes, the two of us ended up just ranting about it and going off on it and talking about it for like an hour. And finally, Pete just went, I think we should do a podcast. And my response was, I think we just did. We just didn't record it. <laughs> so I think it was like less than a month later, we decided to do the fr- we decided to do the podcast, The Frustrated Fans. Yeah. So given this is 50 episodes, and given most podcasts don't last 10, much less 50, yeah, we figured we need to mark, make this a landmark. <laughs> so... Yes. But, well, before we do that, well, let's talk about Star Trek as it existed in 2002. Yep. Yeah, like we talked about with TNG when it first started and when it went off the air, things are once again different. Uh, Star Trek Man. was pretty much on a downturn at this point. Uh, Enterprise was stumbling through its second season. Voyager had already ended the year before. Mercifully. Yeah, mercifully. With them not even actually reaching Earth, it's like, you know, <laughs> just a little close. Um, and Insurrection, while it did okay in theaters, it wasn't the big success they wanted it to be. Well, it, the critical and fan reaction was not positive, even if it did make its budget twice back. Well, Insurrection, so. Insurrection's weird because it actually had a relatively positive response when it first showed up, and then it's kind of gotten worse over time. Um, but it's also, if it hadn't failed creatively on there, like if it, if bad word of mouth hadn't started spreading, or if it had been just a better movie in general. Um, in the end, though, Nemesis was like the nail in the coffin. I mean, yeah, this thing, the budget was $60 million. It barely exceeded its own budget at $67 million worldwide, and was actually released a week before one of the Harry Potter movies and Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers, and yeah, they just murdered this thing. Well, even more embarrassingly, this movie did not debut at number one. It is the no only- other Star Trek movie has ever done that, even five. Yeah, five hit, the movie, hit theaters hard, and then everyone saw it, and then that was the end of that. Um, Nemesis lost to um, Made in Manhattan. Yeah, a Jennifer Lopez romantic comedy. That's really oh. sad. That hurt. And while we consider that wound, we're gonna take our second break. Admiral Janeway, how good to see you again. John Luke, how'd you like a trip to Romulus? With or without the rest of the fleet. A diplomatic mission. We've been invited, believe it or not. Seems there's been some kind of internal political shake-up. The new Praetor, someone called Shinzon, has requested a Federation envoy. New Praetor? There's more. He's Riemann. Believe me, we don't understand it either. You're the closest ship, so I want you to go and hear what he has to say. Get the lay of the land. If the Empire becomes unstable, it could mean trouble for the entire quadrant. Understood. We're sending you all the intelligence we have. But it's not much. I don't need to tell you to watch your back, Jean-Luc. Hardly. The Sona, the Borg, the Romulans. You seem to get all the easy assignments. Just lucky, Admiral. Let's hope that luck holds. Janeway out. They used to be an ordinary snake cult, but after two or three years, they're everywhere. (laughs) I got a snake to show you. (laughs) Oh, baby. Oh, no. 
Let's leave the sexual harassment till after the show. <laughs> or between breaks. Oh, wait, you're recording again? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> According to the true bastion of all information, Wikipedia, Paramount had really high hopes for this movie, but they brought in a non trek director to take the helm. Even over series regular John Frakes. This is directed by Stuart. Baird. Um, probably a slaughter. This what? Baird. Baird. Uh, yeah, he's. He hasn't directed he... very much. He didn't direct anything after this. He was actually mainly. Um, pop, he was mainly big in Hollywood for editing. Um, I did look him right. up. He did editing on like the Lethal Weapon movies. He he's done a lot of good editing work. But he's only directed like three movies, and before this was before this one was U.S. Marshals, which while not bad, was a carbon copy of The Fugitive. It was the sequel to The Fugitive. Unaware, yes. Yeah. So, like, he's been the editor on a lot of movies and really good movies. Like I said, the first two Lethal Weapons, he was the editor on Die Hard Two. You know, he- Superman Two. Yeah, the original Superman, and the Donner Cut. Yep. So he directed. Three movies, executive decision and Green Lantern. Yeah, executive decision. I really doubt the editing was the problem with Green Lantern. Yeah. Anyway, he but he only directed three movies: executive decision, which I don't even remember what that was. U.S. Marshals, which was like a fun little popcorn movie. You know, there's nothing really wrong with it. And Nemesis. and Star Trek Nemesis. So yeah, this guy was totally the right person to pick. <laughs> Yeah, it gets worse because longtime cast members have come out in the aftermath of this movie and outright called him a hack. Mm-hmm. And jo- Jonathan Frakes has flat out said that if he had directed Nemesis, it wouldn't have been as bad. LeVar Burton and Marina Steris both said uh, he they were outright critical for him since he came into this with no knowledge of the series in general, and then would not watch any of the Trek episodes yeah. to get the feel of the series. And basically, he made no effort to learn about it. So you mentioned, um, when we were talking about bad movies earlier, you mentioned the, t- the 2002 Time Machine? Yeah. John Logan, who is the writer, one of the writers for Nemesis, was one of the, was one of the screenplay writers and the co-producer oh. for the Time Machine. That explains so much. Also, screenplay writer for Gladiator, which as Austin as Gladiator was, you don't remember it for its writing. Um, (laughs) No, the Last Samurai. He did the screenplay and Uh, he wrote the Aviator. uh, Oh my God! I want to hurt this person. (laughs) Skyfall and Spectre, uh, which like again, Skyfall wasn't Skyfall was not great. Uh, it's better than Quantum. Oh, Quantum was terrible. Um, yeah. So yeah, they they had the. It wasn't just the inexperienced director working on this. They had a screenplay writer who just had no like has a long history of mediocrity. Yeah. Um, and you and, know why he was brought into this movie? No. Because he was Brent Spiner's friend. Yeah. Yeah, Brent. Sp- Spiner was uh, Spiner also worked on the story, so uh, yeah. Was that. yeah you, uh, I remember 
in an interview, somebody asked LeVar Burton, why did Nemesis do so poorly? And he just flat out replied, because it sucked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, that's fair. Um, <laughs> that's brilliant. Yeah. Considering all that was cut from this movie, including a lot of intimate character moments that the series, the movie kind of needed, mm-hmm. like all of Wesley Crusher's lines were cut, which <laughs> he, may not be a bad person. I would applaud that decision. Cut. He himself was actually cut. I have the full screen version of the movie. He's not in it. He's only in the widescreen version. <laughs> that the See, I watched the Blu-ray. I watched so. the VHS. I paid a buck for it. <laughs> Did you ask That's... for your money back? Did he overpay for it? I'm not sure. No. <laughs> I got it from Hollywood Video when they were liquidating all their VHS tapes. I got Star Trek because they didn't have one through three. I got four through ten for a dollar each on VHS. Nice. So I got some good ones too. That's great. But um, yeah. I, another thing about uh, good old Stuart Baird, or the director, he kept calling Lavar Burton Laverne, not just once. Which okay, once would have been dumb, but not bad. He repeatedly did this, and not to mention the fact that uh, Lavar Burton has done more directing work than Stuart Baird has. <laughs> He's arguably every cast member was in the director's chair at one point. Yeah. And apparently, and also apparently Baird thought Jordy was an alien. And uh, Pete, you mentioned FSF debris earlier. I need to quote him by all means. Why is it because he's a black guy with blue eyes? Because if that's it, then I'm pulling this planet over and giving everyone a stern talking to. (laughs) (sighs) So, yeah, this movie was definitely a disappointment for both casuals and long-time fans, just on production alone. Yeah. And honestly, like, switching up the behind-the-scenes crew wasn't a bad idea. I mean, that's what happened with Ratha Khan and ended up being, like, the best one. Oh, Nick Meyer. Yeah, Nick Nicholas Meyer and Harv awesome. Bennett came in, and the difference is both of them, even if they hadn't been Trek fans, ended up watching through the entire show to prepare themselves for it. Yeah, you do your freaking legwork when you come into a franchise like this. Exactly. J.J. Like Abrams. J.J. <laughs> uh, Abrams was like, is this like Star Wars? Yeah. Or, it should be or like Star Wars. Or Zack Snyder. <laughs> <laughs> so he's a Superman? Is he actually made of steel? What does that stand for? Is he a man made out of bats? Is that how this works? <laughs> Why is, is she, she a wondrous Do people person? wonder about this woman? <laughs> Wait a minute. Since when could women wear swords? Wait a minute. He's called the Flash. Does he expose himself to people? <laughs> Why would people know he moves so fast? Aquaman? Is he Spanish? Oh, no. Uh, that was good. That was a good one. Oh, thank you. Lawsuit. <laughs> oh, I want to reach to the internet and throw you for that one. <laughs> Oh, I can't... Someone invent that already. <laughs> the remote bitch lab. The remote bitch slap. Let's Ugh. Google it. Remote bitch slap. <laughs> Let's see what Google brings me. I smell an invention. <laughs> it's going to be on a drone. No, just brings up an IMDB for a movie called Internet Bitch... Uh, not Internet, just called... 
Bitch slap? What movies are you watching on the internet? <laughs> I don't know. IMDb has watched it, though. It's got four and a half stars. <laughs> hey, it's higher rated than Star Trek Nemesis. Yeah, it's been a long week for all of us, I think. <laughs> yeah, I got fired today. Oh, God. Oh, sorry. Really? Yeah. That's a mood killer. <laughs> All right, then. Um, <laughs> well, on that note... Uh, <laughs> uh yeah. Um, uh, let's take a break. <laughs> There's the old adage about odd and even-numbered Trek films, but I'll let you in on a secret. It's a bad Trek film whenever any of the main characters sing. Row, row your boat gently down the stream. Row, merrily, row, merrily, row merrily, merrily, merrily. little life forms... Your precious little life forms. His nose should pant. And his lips should curl. His cheeks should flame. And his brow should furl. His bosom should heave. And his heart should glow. Oh, blue skies, smiling at me. <laughs> oh, and we're back. <laughs> okay. What a head rush. What were you doing in the break? <laughs> Breathing heavily. Cocaine's a hell of a drug. He's breathing heavily on his coffee table, cleaning up the powdered mess. I threw a hundred dollar bill. I, I told you it was powdered sugar. I, 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 well, I do have Vicodin in the other room. Someone's going to get a legal trouble I, over no, this I, thing. Hey, it's prescription. I pulled a groin muscle, okay? I once, to, I once went to the hospital. Can prevent sobriety. I went to the hospital. I once went to the hospital over something that happened. Get in, and I was so afraid of getting addicted that it sat in my backpack for like three months before I dumped it all in the toilet. Uh, I took one last night. I felt like crap, and I woke up feeling worse. So I was like, "Nope, not taking that stuff anymore." Well, speaking of painful things, let's address the elephant in the room. <laughs> Hi, elephant. This movie draws a lot from Star Trek II, Wrath of Khan. That's an understatement. Shinzon! <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, we not only have the reflection of the main character, who's maybe darker, maybe willing to be genocidal. He's got a vendetta against the main character, but this one is much more weaker in tone and rationale. And he's also willing to go to his death, even if it's the other guy won't win. I'm surprised that he... This ultimately <laughs> ends with the death of the major character, a close friend of the main, now who has to deal with his grave. I'm actually surprised, instead of calling his ship the Scimitar, they didn't just call it the Kobayashi Maru. <laughs> that would have been funny. <laughs> Subtle. This guy... Didn't, didn't we have anyone from the series who could have served as the villain if it was the Romulan? Sela! <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, what was that? Uh, oh, you know, Sela... Yep. Or, you know, just about any recurring Romulan character at all. Yep. The Talishar. Like, or any Romulan character that showed up at Not all. <laughs> yeah. Like the like, ones in the, in the final season of DS9, where they basically predict that the Romulans will be the only threat left once the Dominion is gone. Have like the oh. Romulan ambassador who was assassinated with the It's a fake turn off to be alive. Wait a minute. If the Romulans are really the only ones after the Dominion War, then why in all good things do they say that the Klingons steamrolled them? Because the Dominion War hadn't happened yet. And remember, it's uh, right. 
That, the future of all good things also shows the Enterprise D is still in one piece. Yeah. Ah, good point. And I would also like Dude, to point so out fun. that a lot of fans want to try and say that the four movies didn't happen because they didn't like them. And yes, there are people that don't like First Contact. However, I laugh at that because in the first episode, Worf shows up in DS9, Cisco says, I'm sorry to hear about the Enterprise. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so, Alex, I think you wanted to comment on uh, Shinzon. Okay, so I want to say that Shinzon could have been a fantastic, fantastic Star Trek character. Instead, they got a Mary Sue. Now, let me be clear about well, my definition Mary of a Mary Sue. You know, it's not to say that he's a competent, likable characters are a bad thing. The way I decide Mary Sue is that they're tell not show extraordinary. extraordinary. <laughs> Shinzon does nothing to show that the Riemann should see him as anything other than an alien. As a foil to Picard, the events and dialogue do nothing to give the actor the chance to be Picard's mirror. Now, when I was watching this movie and doing research on it, uh, I literally said, I swear to God, I was th- when I was watching the movie, I was thinking, this actor just does not have the chops to be Patrick Stewart. And then it was, as I was watching it, and I was, as I was researching it, and I said, if this is Tom Hardy, I'm just going to scream. It's Tom f***ing Hardy! <laughs> <laughs> you adopted the Tom. <laughs> Tom Hardy absolutely... He has the acting chops to face off with Patrick Stewart, okay? This guy's... He, he, I mean, he's freaking Mad Max, and he's a fantastic job as Mad Max. Now, well, don't get me wrong, Mad Max is a very different character from well, uh, from John Luke Picard, but still, Tom Hardy can pull this off. Well, keep in mind, this was his fourth role ever, and third movie role ever. This was his, definitely his breakout role, though. Yeah. But this was Jordan. this was still very early in his career. So even so, like there, he does have that that you know he does have the talent to pull this off. They did, and and like and and, and I say this to point out the fact that they gave this character nothing for the actor to work off of. They did nothing to show that Shinzon is a leader of Remans. He he's not a natural commander, or tactical genius, or anything like that. If they wanted Picard and Shinzon to really be mirrors of each other, they should have done more to show camaraderie among the Remans. They should have, for better, lack of a better term, they should have humanized them. They should have showed how close they were together, the, the, the same way that the Enterprise is. Romulans and Remans are passionate and intimate people. They did nothing to illustrate this about the Remans other than being slimy vampire people. With apparent psychic powers. Yeah. Shinzon is not charismatic. He isn't brilliant. He's abusive and bratty. He's boring. And Tom Hardy is not a boring actor. It's like giving Khan no moments of charisma or likability and then casting Benedict Cumberpatch to play him. (laughs) Who would do something that magnificently stupid? Oh, wait. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Fair with that one? Just... Just a little quick thing. He, he was probably micromanaged because he was a new actor, so he probably didn't get a voice or any kind of say in how the character They should was have gotten an experienced actor. Yeah. Yeah. They, they should have. Yeah. Uh, this villain sucks, and so do his Hobgoblin crewmates. This is the first appearance of the Raymonds. I like yeah. the Raymonds. They've never, they've never been mentioned before this. They're, never, they're only seen once 
one other time, and it's an episode of Enterprise where they show two Riemann guards with one of the Romulans. Yeah. Which was nice for them just to throw that in as a little bit of continuity. Like, no, they were really here all the time, we swear. Uh, <laughs> just like the Borg. They should have gone through Crashing into episodes, the Arctic. I think. Hmm? Yeah. The Remans? I think the Remans should have gotten their own episode in, in Enterprise. That might have redeemed both the Remans and Enterprise. I would have been fine with that, actually. Uh, yeah. Well, it's not like they would abu- like Enterprise would abuse the Borg by having them survivors crashing into the Arctic from first contact. <laughs> sorry, we, oh. we, interdu- we interrupted Jeremy. I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, don't worry about it. Uh, look, Hardy isn't all that great in this movie, but like I said, it's an early part for him, and the director is so bad, and Rick Berman was notorious for micromanaging everything, so I'm honest, I'm not really faulting him. Um. The concept of having a clone of Picard as the villain is a goofy, is kind of goofy, but a lot of Trek is kind of goofy. I mean, Data had an evil twin, which brings up a lot of questions. Lore worked. Lore was fine. Honestly, they would have been better off just using the camera trick to have two Picards in this like they did with uh, Data. Mm -hmm. Um, Or have the Romulans rebuild lore. Yeah. Why didn't they just use lore? (laughs) (laughs) So... There, there was potential with the idea, but it's all squandered because the characters are interesting. They constantly say that, oh, he led all these victories during the Dominion War. Meanwhile, I don't see him do one smart thing this entire movie. He lets the Enterprise sit there for 17 hours. He then makes them wait more. He, he wastes time. And it's like, okay, maybe he's just trying to play mind games. And then you find out he's dying and needs a transfusion from Picard to live, and he only has a small amount of time. So why is he dicking around? And then, like, so he's incompetent. I mean, eventually his skin turns white, and he just kind of looks like Dr. Evil by the end of this movie. And, <laughs> oh, God. And, you know, his Freeman Viceroy is like, basically should go like, Sir, why don't you just kill them now? And he's like, No, I'm going to set up a horribly elaborate trap and then destroy all my enemies in one quick shot, but actually not look at it after I do it. Oh, where is Seth Green when we need him? (laughs) (laughs) Like, oh my god. And then at the very end of the movie, when they're shooting at each other, they finally stop, and Shinzon just kind of pulls up in front of the Enterprise and stares at it. It's like, why are you just staring at him? Also, why are you shooting the bridge if you want to get Picard off the ship unharmed, and you know Picard's on the goddamn bridge? Why isn't he just a Reman? (laughs) Oh my god. Oh my god. god! Oh, oh yeah, and like the only long-lasting thing. You think we should pop popcorn here, Joe? No. <laughs> I'm kind of entertained. The, the only long-lasting thing for me was when I was watching The Dark Knight Rises, and I heard that Tom Hardy was Bane. The minute Bane said, "I grew up in the darkness," I could not help myself. I just immediately said, "What with your Reman brothers?" Oh god! <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh, and speaking... You adopted the dog. Yeah. I, oh, God, it's still bright. <laughs> At, least I understand what, At least I can understand what he was saying in this movie. Uh, <laughs> I'm yeah. here for you, Batman. <laughs> I'm here for you. I'm here for you, Picard. It is my destiny to destroy Earth. Oh, yeah, why does he want to destroy Earth? Why does he hate humans? He constantly shows that he hates Romulans. So why doesn't he just destroy Romulus? Like, seriously, there's no reason for him want to destroy Earth. He's like, because we're natural-born conquerors. <laughs> He's like, this is my destiny to do this, Picard. It's like, why is it your destiny? I don't understand. You literally choose anything else. <laughs> God. 
Oh, and speaking of wasting talent in this movie, the vice, the viceroy for Shinzon, the guy that barely speaks, that mostly just kind of stands there, is played by Ron Perlman. Oh, oh crap. You should right. have been the villains. <laughs> yes, I agree. Ron Perlman would have been perfect for the freaking villain. Right. I am not Shinzon. I'm his viceroy. No, you're Shinzon. Let's let's keep it at that. Let's go with that. That's in Nemesis Abridged. <laughs> That's what they should do for that. Now there's an idea. There we go. Nemesis Abridged. Like, no, no, you're you're totally Shinzon. We're oh. going with you as the villain. Don't put the other guy on. Oh, All right. God. Well, we need to take a break, folks, and let you cool down. <laughs> and I need to pop some popcorn. You know, they say a vintner's history is in every glass. The soil he came from, his past, his hopes for the future. Hmm. So, to the future. To the future. Destroy that ship! I didn't see the generation until I was an old man, and then by then it was blinding. <laughs> you ever think Bane just grew up watching Star Trek Enterprise, and that's why he was all pissed off? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> when, when Voyager gets home, then you have my permission to die. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna have to remember that one. Wait, you know what? After we finish with Sinzon, we need to bring. Speaking of Voyager, we need to bring up Admiral Janeway. Oh, indeed. But Joe, I think you wanted to comment on. Show. Okay, so we've been addressing the elephant in the room that the movie borrows a lot from Rathacon. And while I cannot discount that, and I believe you're absolutely correct, when I first came up with my opinions, it had never occurred to me. Like, at all. I mean, that's that's me missing a few things, obviously, but when I looked at Shinzon, it was never he was supposed to be Khan for me. Uh, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, uh, when we heard about the movie, it was circulated that it was supposed to be the last Star Trek movie, a movie that the actors could have been happy to walk away from and be done with Star Trek, because they really, really wanted to be done with Star Trek. So when I saw Shinsan, I didn't see someone who was supposed to be Picard's equal or foil. I saw the physical personification of Picard's inability to be a father, which was something of a recurring theme in the show and had started with Generations as a serious crisis for him. But Hell, that was, uh, that was in the frickin' first episode. Yeah. Number one, I need you not to make me... Let me be an ass in front of children. Yeah. So... That's, That's what I saw. For for Picard, the real victory wasn't in defeating Shinzon as it was reforming him. The victory would have been for this found son to suddenly take up the Picard legacy. But it's something that he obviously had to vet for a very long time and not trust himself with. And when you think about Shinzon's character in that, as like Picard's spoiled, entitled brat son, it makes a lot more sense. Because I thought that was Wesley. <laughs> oh! Oh, you thought Jack Crusher was your father. Yeah. <laughs> I, th- I think we're mixing our joke here. Uh, yeah, go on. Crossing the streams. When when Picard has sex, do you think he goes, make it so? Oh, you no. broke out there. Please, Joe, continue. No, he just says, come. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Please, Joe, continue. As for Shinsan's oh, character, dear. 
there was something a bit lost in translation because, as other people have said before, he was supposed to be this trumped up figure who was supposed to be a giant a genius, a military like like mastermind and all that stuff. But that information was gathered by Starfleet intelligence, and it was just a sort of leaked by the military coup that had just happened. They didn't put that in the movie, but that's if you put two and two together, that's kind of what happens. Military coup takes over to make sure no one revolts against the new leader. They put up propaganda. So that's all the information so, the Federation had. Hmm. Huh. So, it nice, so it would have been nice for them to say that in the movie, but that is a good idea. Yeah. So you're saying this movie would have been better served like the Mandarin in Iron Man 3? Oh, God. Yeah. I hate to go that route, but yes. See, here's... No, I actually like that twist, but that's not a story. Yeah, I like that twist, too, except the, the rest of the movie was terrible. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're, you Feel free to counteract my argument, because the movie didn't flat out come out and say that. It was just sort of... Shinzon was very disappointing. Um, but, yeah. Go ahead. I, I don't know, I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> In short, Shinzon was just like the right amount of bu- abused by the Romulan guards for the Remans to take pity on him. And he was just clever enough to get the Remans to organize, because they wanted their freedom, obviously. And they built a secret weapon, and then because they promised the Romulan military what they wanted, the military supported them and overthrew a Romulan government. But I 100% agree with the Ron Perlman. That was a tragic waste. So, I gotta disagree with you on um, on Shinzon being a messiah. Like I said, a Mary Sue is a show-not-tell Com- uh, it, it, someone with show not tell a uh, tell not show competence, right? And they talked up uh, Shinzon as being this messiah figure, and then when they show Shinzon, Shinzon should have been a puppet, I think. But when they actually showed him, like all of the Remans are deferring to him, it is very obvious that they're doing that. So he's obvious to be this messiah figure for them, except. Well- no, go ahead. Except he's just kind of bratty and abusive. Nothing to show, well, actually, I'm the one, you know, it, it's actually Ron Perlman's character that's uh, calling the shots, and Shinzon's just a figurehead. Um, that would have actually been kind of cool. But instead, it's, no, this is supposed to be, Shinzon is a figure who's leading them out of slavery um and into a, into an empire of conquest and now that I compare him less to Jesus and more to David but yeah. I completely agree he was not what he was made up to be but I think he was kind of well, the viceroy when he discovered that he was supposed to be a clone of Picard he found that he could use that identity quote unquote to rally people around him so he was used to deceive the Remans themselves, except for a few people. You know what that, I mean? You, you, your little fan fiction here is way yeah, more interesting than the fucking movie. Yeah. I was just <laughs> saying that. I was just saying, uh, Joe, what this really says is that you're better than the people who actually wrote this movie, because I think you're giving them too much credit. I'm giving them way too much credit. <laughs> okay, so now the little elephant in the room, Admiral Janeway. Uh, okay, how did she get... I'd like to point out, not only did she get promoted to Admiral, she's a Vice Admiral. She's one of the most senior Admirals in the whole damn fleet. 
How the hell did that happen? What did she do to get promoted up that high? She got lost and managed to stumble her way back while getting some of her crew killed. Oh, yeah, she blew up some of the Borg. Oh, big freaking whoop. Okay. I got to disagree with you on that one. Uh, What Janeway did, pulling together these rival crews and getting through one of the toughest experiences in Starfleet history, not to mention gathering all of that, like... All of the technological advances, all of the data that they uh, collected on the Delta Quadrant, uh, and just being able to survive under those conditions with so few resources. When Starfleet is used to operating so close and so connected to the rest of the galaxy, what Janeway did was absolutely extraordinary in the context of uh, of Star Trek. And she comes back with all of this new information and having... Yeah, she has committed crimes and she has breached Starfleet <laughs> ethics, but under the Repeatedly. circumstances, can you really blame her? Oh, no, I can't blame her. It's And honestly, you have good points, but if the show had actually promoted her like that, then I'd be more inclined to believe this promotion because there weren't that many consequences for them because almost every single episode of that show had a reset button. I don't know how the heck they survived that entire thing with as many photon torpedoes as they had when they started. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, so if if the show had portrayed her in that light, I would completely agree with that because, yeah, it's she pushed and pulled and did everything in her power and did all this great stuff. And, yeah, there were some good moments for her throughout the show. I won't I certainly won't deny that. But with the way that she came off, the way the show show, you know, displayed her and with a lot of the stuff that she did in the show, I I'm just very skeptical of the fact that she's been promoted high enough that she can just go, hey, flagship, go over there. It's also possible that they, um, and again, this is giving them more credit than they deserve, Mm -hmm. but it's possible that they just wanted to get her out of the way so they kicked her up the stairs. (laughs) I was giving her a higher promotion so she could do less damage. (laughs) I was actually thinking that too. If I could chime in on that one. Just no, by all means. Devil's advocate, I don't know, which is, seems to be the role I'm playing in this particular podcast. <laughs> uh, her ship was, I believe it's called an Intrepid-class ship, and it was supposed mm-hmm. to be a medium-range, at-best ship. It was not supposed to be something that could do uh, t- cross-quadrant travel at all. Like, at all. So the the odds were hugely stacked against her, and there was a lot of episodes where it was just about Oh, do we even have the resources to make it back home? We got to find something to replace the gel packs, or we got to find some dilithium, or we got to find some some things that we can use for our replicators. Uh, and we have to find the asteroid we're going to strand Neelix on. Yeah. <laughs> the the character of Janeway herself was very shoehorned because it was the first time a female had been captain, so they tried. They just shoved her into the mommy role. That's what it was. She was supposed to be the ship's mommy. And it it had some very, very bad points in it. Honestly, Well, I mean, we don't need to go that deep into Voyager, because Lord knows F. Seth Debris does a lot better job of that. Um, but, yeah, I remember watching this, and I'm like, huh, what is she doing on the show, on the movie? <laughs> yeah. Well, the other thing is, like, Picard had been given the advice, don't let them promote you past captain. So if you're wondering why Picard's not an admiral, that's why. Oh, he no, could have no, had that a long time ago. Oh, in Generations, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, no, actually, I said this um, on our previous episode 
when we were talking about all good things, uh, I actually said my belief that Picard never like stays as captain through all the movies and everything. It's because Kirk said that to him. Yep. That that well, well, well I totally agree with that. Well, while we consider what to rant on next, we'll take another break. <laughs> Captain Riker. Mm-hmm. Hello, I'm Martin Madden. I'm the new first officer. Commander. Sir, I, I haven't met the captain yet. I was hoping that you could give me a little insight. Well, the most important thing about Captain Picard is he's not a by-the-book type officer. He likes to keep things casual. In fact, if you want to get on his good side, call him Jean-Luc. Thank you, sir. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, it's everywhere. <laughs> how did you get it that far? God, I don't haven't you learned know. how to clean it up by now? I tried. They have I tried so hard. It just made it go even further. I, I know you tried hard. That's why it went everywhere. <laughs> Another bit of not con in this movie is Data's death. And we Data! Get... <laughs> <laughs> I almost wanted there to be a scene where Jordy just says, I have been and always shall be your friend. <laughs> um, you know, so near the end, we get a death of an important and iconic character where he sacrifices his life to save, save the ship and crew. Uh, yeah, and that, let me just say, if you're Vulcan or nearly there, nearly a Vulcan in this in this franchise, don't run. Run as far as you can. <laughs> Stay away from warp cores. <laughs> Uh, maybe and that's what we Balleron generators. Yeah, or, yeah, that techno babble thing. <laughs> so, unlike Rathacon, where Spock got an amazing send off and everything about it was just so well done, Until here it's more back. of. He, huh? Nothing. Okay. <laughs> Until they brought him back. Until they brought him back. Oh, okay. But, uh, well, they weren't originally planning to bring him back. But, anyway, that, that aside. Um, unlike Wrath of Khan, here, after the initial shock of it kind of wears off, which I'll admit, when I first saw this, it shocked the hell out of me. Me too. It kind of turns yeah. into a, wait, what? Moment. Long, I mean, basically what happens is, Picard transports over to Shinzon's ship because, as he puts it, this is something I have to do. Bullshit! <laughs> There's red shirts. There, you have red, you that. have, the, Data has the goddamn, tra- like, portable transporter thing, he could have gone over there, he's, a, he's essentially a superhuman, kill all the Remans, blast the thing, and teleport himself back. Holy crap! Oh my god, why did he do that? Or use one of the shuttles to beam him off, which is what I've heard repeatedly. But Yeah, Red Letter Media does a lot yeah. better. Yeah, so that. my first question on this is why is the 70 plus year old captain doing this suicide mission when he literally has a crew member, Worf, whose famous catchphrase is, today is a good day to die? Seriously, Worf would have volunteered for the suicide run. He would have jumped out of his seat and said, sir, I'll go. You know? Especially to kill Romulans. Exactly! He hates Romulans. This is the perfect scene for Worf. He would have grabbed two phaser, phaser rifles, a handheld one, a bat left, his mech left, and just gone over there, beat the shit out of everything in his path, including the doors, before screaming Kalos's damn name, cut off Shinzon's head, threw the remains into the core, and blasted it while screaming 
and just letting the entire Romulan frickin' government know that he just blew up their big frickin' weapon, and he would kill every single one on there, take them all to hell, so he and every other Klingon and Jadzia and his family could beat the crap out of them even though they're all dead! <sighs> you okay? <laughs> so, I want to interject. Uh-huh. Please. I think he, Jeremy needs a time to cool down. You, you get a timeout, Jeremy. I want to interject. <laughs> There's a... Go go in the corner. Go. <gasps> go no, on. no, don't do that in the corner. Oh, God. We just cleaned, we just started cleaning up my mess. Don't make more. <laughs> um so something that I noticed that this whole movie Picard is absolutely the main character here. Which is Yeah, not... what does Beverly Crusher do? <laughs> yeah. Like she barely has lines. I can't even think of a single line that she says outside of the wedding. I um, think your eyes are prettier, Data. That's it. Yep. Oh my god. Oh my god. I remember her talking during the wedding. Anyway, she laughed. Oh. Okay. So so anyway, um, this movie is obviously trying to make Picard into the main character, uh, and they're they're making Picard to, out to be this action hero. Which, yeah, Picard is a man of action. They absolutely show that in the show. Mm-hmm. But so is Riker. So is Worf. So is Deanna fucking Troy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Highly experienced, well-respected military personnel. Okay, but they got him. I understand. Picard is. This is a story about Picard. Therefore, all of the action should be about Picard. Except, eventually, and by eventually, I mean almost immediately. The logic, the internal logic breaks down, and especially when you get to this part of the movie towards the end, where they're still forcing this trope, it it really just shows how frayed this movie is and how easy it is to tear to pieces. Yeah. If they had done something like this, if the story had been stronger, it I mean, it, we wouldn't have been able to overlook this, but it would have been a little bit easier to pass over mm-hmm. if the rest of the movie had been stronger. It's like, okay, this is like the only weak part. It's kind of like in Wrath of Khan, where after they drive off Khan and Scotty shows up on the bridge with his nephew in like tatters. And it's like, okay, that doesn't, you know, it makes good dramatic sense. It just doesn't make sense that he brought him to the bridge rather than sickbay. Mm-hmm. But we can overlook that because the rest of the movie is very well done and it's fine. It makes a good short moment and it's not that important in the greater context of the movie. Yeah. Whereas in this one, it's, and if Picard actually had a real reason for being the one to go over there, but he just says, this is something I need to do. Well, they, they, they did kind of have a reason. The reason was that, um, you know, suddenly Shinzon has Picard within his grip again. And so he's going to be a better distraction than say, sending, Someone else, though. Yeah, I agree. Sending Worf to go cut off some heads is a pretty fucking good distraction. Yeah, and it would have been fun to watch too. I know, right? It would have just been so much fun. I mean, that's geez. what this movie was missing. Was fun. well, I had I have to admit the Riker's little action scene. I I, I was I was watching this with a buddy of mine who's a big Trekkie and unfortunately couldn't be part of this episode either. And when Riker's Kicking the guy, the viceroy in the face, I even said, I have, have had, had enough, enough of you. you. Yes, I mean. <laughs> now, that would have made that moment fun, even if it would have been a blatant steal. Oh, God, I haven't even mentioned Riker. 
Oh my god. I, I you know the term, you know, chewing the scenery. It looks like Riker ate the scenery. <laughs> he it, holy cow Frakes let himself go. Oh my gosh, he look like if you look at like even just late TNG and then look at this movie, my god. Just get the borrow Shatner's girdle. Apparently. <laughs> Which I'd also like to point out another moment they could have used Worf. When the Viceroy, who, by the way, we haven't even mentioned the stupid mind rape scene. Oh, yeah. Can yeah. we not? No, we, we don't have to. Can we just not well, cover okay. that? Let's no, not, it, it's, it's, all right, all right, it's a legitimate point that it's a terrible thing. They didn't need it. Okay, fine. Let's comment on it. It was absolutely unnecessarily, uh, unnecessary, completely sexist, stupid. And did nothing to contribute to this already failing film. No, no, no. It's, it's how they got through their cloak, because then Deanna Troy was like, I found you, person who mind-raped me, literally. Why is that a thing? And also not to mention the fact that the point where it happens is just after Shinzon's been trying to convince Picard that he wants to be friends. Not to mention the fact that there is no reason for him to do this other than his random whim that ooh look a girl oh she has a vagina yeah yeah well, if, that if is this man, probably the first if, girl he has considered having a relationship with well, is, i mean it's the first human well semi half human woman he's ever seen but it's like they should have just left it they should have just left it with that part in the when he first shows up and he's just like a little obsessed with her like that would have been fine just show like exactly. look, he hasn't had any contact with humans that's fine but then we get this bullcrap, and uh, so later oh, on, Riker's in a firefight with the Viceroy. Worf is right next to him. By the way, Worf had a relationship with Deanna back in season seven of the show, yeah. and as dumb as that was, uh, they, they should have come back to that. Riker should have seen the Viceroy get away, looked to Worf, and said, break his neck. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Why is it, like, I can understand, and the thing is also... Jonathan Frakes said that they wanted him to say a line, and he did. They ended up cutting it. When he kicks the Viceroy down the pit, he goes, don't worry, hell is dark. And he's like, no, that seems a little too dark for my character to say. I'm like, dude, he mind-raped your wife. You would say much worse to him. It's just, it's, it's, it. <sighs> All right, I got one more point about that, because as bad as that was, there was a scene directly afterward where Deanna was like, I request to be removed from duty because I've been compromised. And Picard said no. He said, you yeah. need to endure more of these assaults. Well, that is wow. the worst thing ever. Yes. Like, even taking into account that this happened in, like, every other episode, that her psychic powers were some sort of, like, detriment to an episode, right. just flat out saying, if you could put up with being raped a few more times, that'd be awesome. Yeah, that... Oh, God. Oh, God. This, it just shows just how... Poorly movies treat women. How, how poorly people treat women. Just and it's a bad way to show that. It's like, I understand. It's like, you want to show that your villain is evil. There are so many other ways to show that. Like, the fact that he murdered the entire Romulan said it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's done plenty. We know he's evil. He has a giant freaking ship with more guns than the fucking Defiant has. Oh, for no. goodness sake. And that ship is literally just a set of guns strapped to an engine. <laughs> Still better than the design than the Narada. This is true. This is true. Uh, you mean uh, ship of ship of swords? <laughs> yeah. We need to take a the break. sword ship. Commander Martin Madden reporting for duty, sir. Welcome aboard, Commander. 
I hope your transfer didn't take you too much by surprise. I feel privileged, sir. I needed you immediately in order to oversee the refits. As you can see, we have a lot to discuss. Why don't we say dinner in my quarters, 1900 hours? Very good, Jean-Luc. Captain Riker was pulling my leg, wasn't he? Sir. Okay, so after Data dies, they do like this short little wake where they all just kind of hold up a glass of wine. And the, uh, Picard says, to absent friends, which honestly that scene is a mirror of the moment in Star Trek Three, when after Kirk and company get back to Earth, they all share a glass and say that. However, when Spock died in Rathacon, they had a whole funeral scene for him. They did this whole giant thing. Scotty played Amazing Grace on the frickin' bagpipes. And yeah. And cried. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did. I still hear. do. It was really good. Whereas in this one, they barely do anything with it. Like, the one thing they try to do is Riker refers back to the pilot, which actually, I, I do like that. Yeah, uh, that was says, good how he found Data whistling a tune on the holodeck, but he can't remember the tune. And I like the fact that in one of the few good moments of directing and acting in this movie, um, you see him actually take into account that everyone looks depressed and sad, and so he brings that up to try to lighten the mood a little bit. Mm -hmm. I I actually really like that. Well, it's what we call an Irish wake. He laughs and cries. And here's the thing. It doesn't work. He realizes he can't remember what it was. He he, th- this intimate moment he had with Data at the m- moment he needs to remember it, it slips by him and just makes it even worse. That that bit was actually pretty good. Yeah, and I definitely I know um, everyone here is probably also disappointed that Jordy doesn't say anything. Exactly. They- they His were best, best friends. Yeah. They were be- and Data on multiple points said Jordy is my best friend. Yep. So, yeah, like honestly, the best what the other good thing they do with this is when um, Picard shows back up on the Enterprise, how just he's dead silent and just kind of slowly picks the transport like the emergency transport thing off his shirt and stares at it like Data just gave me my life. Why didn't they make two of them? Because we can't. Oh, yeah. Here's here, here's another thing. Something that I noticed about this film is that at the beginning, up to about, basically up to when they introduce Shinzon, mm-hmm. and at the end, this movie knows what it wants to be. It's all of the stuff in the middle, like the the, the center, like most of the film. That it just has no fucking clue what it's doing. But at the at the bookends of this film, it seems to know what it wants to be. And it's moments like that when they're when the data when they're thinking about, you know, Riker and Deanna going on to the Titan at towards the beginning of the film. You know, there are wonderful moments in this movie show what this film could have been about. And this film could have been about New, ch- you know, I hate to say it, a new generation. <laughs> I get it. So what you're saying and is the death of an old generation. What you're saying is Nemesis is the Cadbury cream eggs of Star Trek movies. 
delicious outer shell. As soon as you get in, it's just way too sweet and disgusting, and you want to throw up. <laughs> I can't sympathize with that sentiment whatsoever because I f***ing love Cadbury. <laughs> yeah, I like them too. <laughs> like, I am a f***ing crazy, I'm a Cadbury cream egg monster. Okay, I just want it okay. all over okay. me. I want it in me. <laughs> I want it everywhere. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'd actually say it'd be more like biting in what you think is a Reese's uh, cup, and inside it's like cod liver oil. Yeah. <laughs> say, coincidentally, we are recording this episode on Easter weekend. <laughs> I didn't even think Ding! <laughs> it is a good Friday. <laughs> a good, uh, today is a good Friday to podcast. <laughs> to bag on Nemesis. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Uh, so the question is, obviously we've brought up all the major points of why we don't like this, whether it's stealing from Rathacon and not giving the main char- other main characters except Picard more to do, and the terrible mind rape, and Data's death that was forced and not given the gravitas that Spock was, mm-hmm. manly tears. Um, why do they gotta be so, manly? I'm just gonna make human tears, damn it. <laughs> you know what I mean. So, what works here? What is good about the movie? Well, that's a f- in short, very little. But we'll <laughs> actually. <laughs> I'm. Um, I'll I, repeat what I said basically earlier: is the beginning and the end. Kind, yeah, they, they yeah, work fairly a... well. Yeah. Um, you know, they they had a pretty solid idea of the Romulans are having a coup. They're having a fundamental government and social change. And they want Federation involvement. That's that's heavy. They could have done a lot with that. Instead, we got this. I mean, I like the wedding. I thought it was wasn't bad. I like Picard's speech. I like when uh, he says, "Like, have you? But ha, you know, of course, I'm happy for you. But have you thought about what you're doing to me? <laughs> hey, yeah. Like, while you're going to be all excited taking on the Titan, I'm going to be training my new first officer, who will absolutely refuse to let me go on away missions." And I, I will admit, I laughed when Data started quoting uh, Starfleet rules and regulations, and Picard just goes, Data, shut up. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, even if his parts were cut, it was nice. It was a nice touch bringing Wesley back. Yeah. Um, actually, I looked at my friend and I said, you know what would have been really good for that scene? Put John Delancey as a blink-and-you-miss-it Q cameo. I would have been fine with that. I actually, you know yeah. what? I actually liked uh, SF Debris' idea. Turn Wesley into the villain. Here's the thing. Will Wheaton would have absolutely loved doing that. Yes, he would have. He would have been like, fine, people hate my character anyway. This will give him a great reason to. And here's the thing. I think Will Wheaton could have made Wesley finally likable in making (laughs) him a villain, okay? Uh, It was also nice to see uh, Whoopi Goldberg as Guinan again. I mean, her part was briefly tiny, but but it was still nice to at least see her show up for, like, the last bit. Although Uh something weird about that wedding scene. Sorry, sorry. Don't mean to interrupt. No, by all means. Uh, Mm -hmm. They seem to put all the brown people in one very small scene in that wedding. (laughs) You know, there was a lot Um. of stuff in this movie that they (laughs) weren't really thinking about. (laughs) Oh, look. Jordy and Guyton are sitting together, and there's Worf just one table away. <laughs> yeah. Think about that. Hey, oh, hey, hey, hey. They're all aliens, aren't they? Oh, God. Oh. Wow. <laughs> wow. Nice. 
many letters. I don't care. <laughs> from all of our three listeners. Yeah. Um, um, while the actual final battle was just kind of boring, the effects were actually not that bad. And I kind of like the fleet battle. Oh. I know. And they had fleet battles in Deep Space Nine. They had <laughs> fleet battles in First Contact. No. <laughs> like, what the hell? Um, and I will say also, the music for the most part is actually quite good. Uh, Jerry Goldsmith did put on a very good job, did a very good job with the score. And I liked also when they first show the Enterprise at the end back in dry dock, you hear a little bit of the slow theme um, cue that was used in the original movie. Mm. So I liked that. I liked that little touch. And honestly, I think the best scene in this movie that, well, the, the wake scene is okay. It just should have been more. But I think this scene was great where Riker says goodbye to Picard and the callback to the very first episode of the show, another one, where Picard says, when your first officer insists, do not go on away missions. And Riker just replies, ignore him. I intend to. Now, if you believe what you read online or hear in the commentary, apparently the very first take of that, uh, Patrick Stewart broke down crying because that was like one of the last things they filmed. So they had to reshoot it. He, he so. and Frakes did a good job with that scene. Um, I really liked it. And it was also nice to finally see, like, as much as I'm perfectly fine with um, Picard not becoming an admiral, I would like to say, thank freaking God, it's about goddamn time that Riker is a captain. Yeah, I know, right? That was the... Yeah, if, well, here, I, I was pointing out to my friend last night, if the Dominion War was really a thing and they needed talented people that badly... Riker would have been force promoted yeah. Yeah. Like, into another ship Like they did with in Best of Both Worlds, where they gave him the field commission as captain. There was yeah. a situation where the Romulans were crossing over to the Federation border, and they field promoted Data to captain. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. No, Riker really should have been a captain way before this. Um, and I that was probably, like, one of my only real complaints with the sh- – one of my complaints with the show is – for a time, they go into a lot of detail about him, you know, not accepting promotion and stuff, and it's like they they just forget about it, and they just mm. never really mention it again. So, I think, have we covered all major points and ready for overall wrap-up? Not quite. I've oh. got some more, you know, devil defending to do here. <laughs> <laughs> go right. ahead. Um, although, uh, we probably should break, and then you can okay. have the fr- and then we'll let you get that first thing. Yep. Um. Well, the mission to disembark. Right. So, Mr. Titan Officer, I'm heading up the new task force. Apparently, Romulans are interested in talking. Well, I can't think of a better man for the job. If I may, just a word of advice about your when your first officer insists that you can't go on away missions, ignore him. I intend to. Serve the people. It's been an honor. The honor was mine, Captain. <laughs> oh, 
So, Mr. Devil's Advocate. All right, yeah. So, advocate. what I've got here, we've already covered the wedding. Of course, that was just the ultimate fan service, right down to the the Romulan ale should be illegal. Well, it is. But anyway, besides that, I was skeptical of B4's character, like, from the... I was calling bullshit immediately. And something that they actually did well is Picard and Data didn't fall for the trap that B4 was to begin with. As soon as they found that redundant memory port, they're like, oh, we're going to Romulus all of a sudden where we found this android near the Romulan border. Something's up with that. So to me, it w- it resonated a lot when they anticipated the, tr- the poorly laid trap. The space battle was actually a bit of a plus for me because at, we had a technology in Star Trek VI that for some reason just never resurfaced. The Klingons had found a way to fire through a cloak, which breaks like the balance of power forever. This ship was so powerful, had so many different cloaking shields that it was firing disruptors and torpedoes through its cloak. They couldn't actually get a lock on. So that was just another, like, for people who are hard, or, well, here's something for me. I'm a fan of a game called Starfleet Battles which is essentially tabletop Star Trek. And something like that really just, that that technology alone is like, oh my god, this ship's way too overpowered for anyone to deal with. This ship can take on a fleet by itself. Uh, When they were listing off the weapons and stuff, I was like building a sheet in my head going, that's got to be 1,000 BP value. (laughs) And something else about the space, uh, space battle is you'd never seen it before, but they threw everything except fighters at each other. I mean, fighters were in it, but they didn't use the fighters. But when Captain's like, okay, ram the other ship. And he tried to self-destruct afterwards. That's that's huge. They never tried to do anything like that in previous Star Trek. So, uh, the well, space I mean, they, they, uh... have set, they did have setups to uh, ram other ships, like in uh, First Contact, when the Defiance basically busted a crap warp, actually shot that's to right, for ramming did. speed. Speed um, and it's an insurrection where it's like he wouldn't. Yes, he would. He would. Well, they didn't actually point. do it though. They no, no. This was the only time it's actually been done. They they've teased it before. Um, I actually, I did like the look of the ship ramming, and I do like the. Uh, I don't know if they did this on purpose, but I think it's funny. In out of the four movies, both times where Deanna Troy takes control of the ship, she rams it into something. planet in your way yep in generations she crashes it and in nemesis she runs into the other ship (laughs) and i'll admit like the effects for that were really cool i will say this it would have been nice if picard could have warned everybody in the front of the saucer section that he was going to be doing that because i'm pretty sure (laughs) what 10 forward anymore yeah i'm pretty sure they just killed a good amount of the the crew with that um uh, I will say this: the redesign of the warbirds was really cool. I did like yeah. that. Yeah, from the show, they always did look kind of unwieldy in actual battle. They were just well, kind of big. So the Diderix cruisers, the ones that they use for most of it, like they they worked when they first showed up, but it, they definitely seemed to age. They didn't age well as the next generation and DS9 went on. You're absolutely right about that. The the redesigns were really cool, and they're actually pretty fun to fly in in the MMO. <laughs> Think that's all I was, had. Yeah, I'll admit, at least for the good parts of me, yeah, there's the wedding. The, you know, it's pure fan service, but um, and the space battle. But honestly, 
what we do get the what we do get the good parts yeah sorry the space funnel yeah submarines in space is when this series shines at its best mm-hmm. you saw it with wrath of khan you saw it with star trek 6 you saw it with uh well not insurrect not i won't, won't say first contact cuz it don't I mean, mention other the than the inter- don't mention the joystick <laughs> First Contact had the initial battle of the Federation fleet versus the Cube. Sure. That was fun. Yep. Yeah. Insurrection, uh, the joystick notwithstanding. Um, the, uh, yeah, the the space battle on the Briar Patch, again, not bad. Even the Abrams uh, movies, the space battles aren't bad. They just They're, didn't have many of them. Well, and they also defy every bit of logic the series has had for <laughs> five decades. Not just the point. series, but just, like, in general. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I like a debris the, field and not know about it. Yeah. What's well, the I like how the reboot, there for? <laughs> well, it's funny, because, like, in the reboots, they cleared out all the, the uh, techno babble, so now they're just doing crap without even trying to explain that it, tr- that it makes sense. You mean like why there's a why there's a brewery in the Enterprise uh, engine room? Actually, I was going to know how the Enterprise could plummet into Earth when they ported out near like Saturn or something. And uh, there's a reason why they're built in space on space docks. The planet, the, these ships could not land. They could not go. Voyager did. No, 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 no. See, that was the first one. That was unique about it. The old uh, Enterprise couldn't go into an atmosphere underwater yeah. and then leave again. We're talking about Nemesis here. I know. <laughs> We're talking about a different right. bad Star Trek movie. <laughs> uh. So, and, yeah, the other big thing for me, before, well, I'm happy to see another Soon, Soonian android. Mm-hmm. Soonian? Yep. Um, it, it's been well established in the series. There's only been two of them. So either A, bringing back lore, or B, Telling us this is the Romulans trying to copy Data's technology? Actually, there is an episode in Season 7 where Data m- meets... Um, God, I'm a nerd for knowing this. Data his meets um, his creator's ex-wife, and she says that there were multiple androids before Lore and Data. Yep. Okay, they were just fine, whatever. And so, she was herself yeah. a Soon-type android. Yep. Yeah, but still, using Lore, A, would have been fan service, and B, a better plot point. Yeah. Because well, Lore had a reason to hate them. They couldn't have had the illusion of trusting Lore. They, Lore I mean, would not have been... Point. But, like, what if they, like, you know, what if they bring on Lore and, like, and this is just, you know, me that throwing and... shit out there. They, they're bringing on Lore thinking... Oh, you better just destroy him now, only to find, like, no, he's genuinely been wiped. Like, yeah. like there's just nothing left. There's, like, well, there programming been, left, but he's... He wouldn't then, have been more at that point. Well, exactly. I, I, well, well then, and then that's the reveal. The Romulans were secret, secretly held Lore and reactivated him, except Lore has no reason to trust the Romulans now. His mission complete. So there would have been so much good tension with Lore, like, betraying everyone. But, like, maybe maybe it's Lore who sacrifices himself, and Lore gets a moment of redemption. Well, There's there is so an answer. Go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. I was just saying, you know, that would have been so much... That would have been so much better than such an obvious callback to Spock's death. That's exactly yeah. the reason. Because 
B4 is essentially Data putting his hand on another robot's face and going, remember. That's why. They <laughs> Which is exactly what they end up doing with the comics. That, that Which, that's uh, kind of dark because they're basically overriding B4's personality mm-hmm. and putting Data in him. That's kind of messed up. Yeah. The MMO touches when you when you look into it. Um, for, from what I understand, uh, Data has... When he when he comes out of B four, he's like, "No, send me back." We're... Oh, but um, but like eventually he comes to terms with basically he stores B four the way he stored Lal. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. And yeah, good reference too. That was a that was a great episode. Oh my god, it was ah, oh, just so thinking sad. about it. What are your intentions regarding my daughter? daughter. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that was funny. Good episode. Frakes directed that episode, too. Yeah, yeah. I still... Uh, Commander Riker, what are your intentions regarding my daughter? Daughter? <laughs> uh, I gotta go. <laughs> I was, Riker, out. I was in tears at the end of that one. Where oh. The Admiral's like, his hands were moving faster than I could see. Oh, God, yeah. That's... I was going to bring up one last thing. Uh, By all means. Something with the Romulans also... Wait, didn't you want to talk about the Romulans? I, yeah, I wanted to like pitch pitch a rewrite, basically. Okay, I, I was well, actually going to do a pitch a partial rewrite. So, we're, all right. Well, we're at uh, we're coming up close to a break point, so let's do that, and we'll let you two have the okay. Take that at okay. the after. Diplomacy is a very exacting occupation. We will wait, Captain. Raising shields. No. Captain. Tactical analysis, Mr. Wolf. 52 disruptor banks, 27 photon torpedo bays, primary and secondary shields. She's a predator. And that was the first body I buried. Ah, oh, I see. We're sh- oh, shoot. We're back, aren't we? Yeah. yeah. Okay. That never happened. Um... So Wait, what? <laughs> so my idea for this um, is it actually did come up in um, Denise Crosby had said that she wanted to be a part of this since this was going to be like the last thing to do with TNG, and Rick Berman actually flat out told her that there's no room for Sela, her half Romulan, half human character in this movie. Bull crap. Yeah, yeah. bull crap. I I would have replaced the Commander Dinatra with Sela. And have it as, at first, she's just being loyal to the Romulan Empire by going, okay, this is the new government, I will follow it. But I would have also added in more scenes of her being more disillusioned with the fact that now they're following essentially this punk kid and his vampire cohorts. And so at the very end of the movie, when the Romulan ships show up, Sela is there and contacts Picard. And and Picard at first thinks, oh, she's finally you know, leaving the Romulan Empire. Like, they could have even had a scene with her and Picard, you know, just where they meet for a short time. And he could be thinking, oh, she's finally embracing her humanity. And she corrects him and goes, I'm not here for you. I'm here for the Empire. And then after yeah. the battle, she could have said, it was nice to fight alongside you. Yeah, that's actually a really good idea. Awesome. Oh, 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 I just thought of something. I'm so sorry. I'm it's so okay. sorry. Oh. What if... Instead of the bullshit way that that movie ended, they had Sela, and they did this complete dark reversal thing where, like, because, you know, Data and 
when oh. Tasha Yar were intimate, Sila could have been the one oh to kill Data. Equipped. Mm. If Sila mm, was the no. one to have killed Data, it would have just been this gigantic mind freak. That could have been mm. interesting. If, or, if even set up worse, properly. or even worse, Data killed Sila. Mm. Mm. I don't think that would happen. I mean, it would be hard to pull off, but I, I like that would be like I could see that being a serious moment of what have I done for data? Yeah. Well, no, I, I, I here they actually could have pulled that off if when the point where they transport onto the scimitar, data and Sela go over to take it out and stop the weapon, and then as they're about, like as data is about to destroy it and like get ready to beam out, she shoots him in the back, and then goes, "No, I'm taking this for the Empire." And he's then forced to kill her and then destroy the ship with both of them on it. Yeah. So. Or I would even argue you could have a story where, where she really wants to embrace her humanity, but ultimately chooses a Romulan side and wants to use the weapon on Earth. Mm. Or yeah, there's, essentially, there's a whole lot more that could have been done with that character rather than the nothingness that was done with that with the Romulan that was actually in this movie. Who I kind of like Denatro, like when when, when she showed up. You know, where, where, when she was there, I liked Dinatra. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. You know, I'm not I'm not regretting her inclusion into the franchise. Mm-hmm. So, so my idea was, if you absolutely have to have the clone thing, um, like we mentioned this idea before of actually being the real commander with Shinzon just being his puppet. Uh, my idea is if. If, if they have to have the, the Picard clone thing, Shinzon is a half Picard clone because that's really all that they could manage to do. Um, and this sets it up for that Picard and Shinzon really are, they have so much in common. And when they meet and they're talking about, like, when, when, when the scene of Picard is talking about Want about how it's important, how important it is for him to be an explorer, and it's shown that Shinzon would also enjoy that. I would have taken that, you know, further, and shown uh, and show that Shinzon is genuinely he genuinely wants to see the Remans as explorers and as scientists and being different from the Romulans, but at the same time you see the Riemann crackdown on Romulan society to the point that it's basically genocide. And showing who the Riemanns are, who the Romulans are, getting people to understand these cultures, and showing, all, and at the same time showing that, like, because of this crackdown, because of the Riemann takeover, there are Romulan refugees going across the neutral zone and the Klingons to get involved as well. And Picard is in a position to try and change this, but Shinzon can't either because he won't or because he has pressures outside that, you know, because there's other pressures that he can't capitulate on this. And so Picard is forced to take this friendship, this mirror, his basically his literal son, and he has to do something that is otherwise, like, against his principles against his character he's forced in order to save millions of lives has to fight this person who is his son who is so much like him that makes him feel alive in a time of his life 
where basically everything is falling apart in one way or another. Where he's going through all the, this change, and Shinzon could have been a good part of that change. He has it's turning toxic because Shinzon won't. Because Shinzon's basically a dictator. He's a genocidal dictator. And Picard also realizes that that could have been him. He could have been that psychotic dictator who is wiping out an entire species. About so I got a random question here. I got a random answer. <laughs> so Spock was still on Romulus at the end of Unification, right? Yes. Uh, Where the hell is he in this? They couldn't afford it. Who cares? Yeah, fine. I don't really like the idea of unification. I think the Romulans are interesting on their own. Yeah. About what you had just pitched, though, I do have one tiny tidbit. Because there was a scene that was almost like that in the movie, but it wasn't completely conveyed correctly. And it was when Dinatra tried to seduce Shinzon. He was surrounded by his Riemann guards. He was a freaking horny toad. He probably would have screwed anything in the room except for the fact that if he had been seen taking a Romulan concubine or anything like that, he would have lost support with the Remans around him. Huh. That would have been... See... <laughs> Once I again, wish I'm a this had balls. Yeah. <laughs> like, real balls. Yep. <laughs> it actually done something remarkable. Not just, oh, let's kill a character. You know, that's not balls, that's Repetition. Right. Yeah. Mm. Once again, I'm giving it more credit than it probably deserves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, right. overall, what's our general opinions here? Guests can go first, please. This movie is boring, has nothing to contribute to the franchise or to sci-fi, and we're better off without it. Uh, the movie had me bouncing... Before, between calling bullshit and trying to figure out how they were going to get out of this. So for me, it wasn't quite so boring. I was not happy with the telepathic rape scene that we've already gone over. And B4's existence remains bullshit, and it was just the contingency if the movie did so well that they absolutely had to come back and do more, which... It, it, Star the Trek movie had is, the search for data. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The movie essentially completes Picard's story, though. And I agree that the movie did as a service to the franchise, but to be honest, it was circling the drain by the end of Voyager. Oh, absolutely. Oh, I won't deny that. Not because Voyager and DS9 were necessarily bad, but the idea was just so worn out. You make four series, people are going to get sick of watching it. Yep. The main show's innovator was gone. Gene Roddenberry would have turned... He would have burned the franchise to the ground rather than let a human interest story... No, no, no. There's documentation where Gene Roddenberry refused to write stories for TNG that were just all romance and mush. He would not have let DS9 go out. At all. Gene Roddenberry almost burned the series down himself, though. Yeah. Like, just through his own incompetence. Yeah. Star Trek 1 nearly killed the series. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, nothing against Gene Roddenberry, you know, at all. But, yeah, usually when the the movies and when TNG both started to get better, it was when he had a lot less to do with them. And here's here's the thing. Gene Roddenberry had a vision of utopia. And it was a good utopia. 
like I love the ideals of this utopia, but the next but Star Trek was at its best when it was when it strived and was almost the utopia, but it's like we could taste being part of this real world. Like we want to be the best as we that we can, but we but don't always do that. Struggle, right? Yeah. Well, and that and and that, and that's that's one of the reasons Star Trek has always resonated with me is that we have these ideals and we're probably not going to live up to them, but we have to keep trying. And yeah. we do we and when we do try and when we ask these questions, when we find the limits of our ideals, where we find where they don't work, that's us at our best. That's a society that I think is worth striving towards. And I, I genuinely believe that creating something like the Federation is worth trying for. Yep. IRL. All right. So for me overall, I, like I said, I did like a, a couple little parts of this movie. Um, but overall, I just don't like it. I find it very boring. Uh, when I was rewatching it for the podcast, I had to stop like three times. <laughs> um, I, the, most of the main cast is wasted. The story has numerous problems with it. The villain is underdeveloped and poorly used and isn't very interesting. And the action just doesn't do anything for me anymore. I mean, we didn't even mention the stupid dune buggy scene. Oh, good. good. Like Forget the about dune the dune buggy, buggy scene. scene. It was, yeah. So, listen, there's Star Trek. Why the f*** are they walking around? On, why are they riding on something that has wheels? Why? I, I liked the dune buggy scene. I thought it was fun. I thought it was a, sort of a humanizing scene. Like, time directed. It's kind of ah. funny that Tom Hardy wasn't in the one Mad Max scene in the movie. I know, yeah. right? <laughs> that would have been magical in hindsight. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this movie was supposed to be like the proof that Star Trek as a franchise still had life in it and that they could still keep going. And instead, it put a near seven year long rest to the movie franchise. That, honestly, what it really showed was the people in charge didn't have the spark to keep this show alive. If you look at Enterprise, the parts where it started getting better were when Berman and Braga stepped away from it. Because, look, honestly, I know a lot of people blame them for a lot of the downfall of Star Trek. When you've been working on the same thing for almost 20 mm -hmm. years straight, you're going to run out of ideas. You're going to get burnt out. When Enterpri Enterprise got better because they brought in new people to work on it, because Manny Cotto took over as the showrunner and an executive producer, basically they brought in new blood to try and breathe new life into it. And it was slowly starting to work, but of course then Enterprise was canceled. Um, and it wasn't until the Abrams reboot in 09 that Trek resurfaced. And however everyone feels about that movie, it did bring public view back onto Star Trek again. Well, the demographic changed. That's, yeah. It, that's it. it. And, um, they were producing one kind of show, and then people just didn't want to watch that kind of show anymore. Yeah. And once Enterprise actually started to change the way it was doing things, they lost less viewers and actually started gaining some people back. But mm -hmm. by that point, I mean, that show lasted a lot longer than it had any right to. I mean, right. most shows like that, that... Zindi! Tank... Huh? It's Zindi. Oh, such a it's nightmare. Too... Too bad because I really uh, like Scott Bakula. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we could we could talk about Enterprise some other time. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, overall, I just don't like this movie because of how depressing it is in the larger context of Star Trek and how it was one of the reasons the franchise got put on ice. Yes, I totally agree that this franchise was kind of circling the toilet bowl like when this came out. And so, no, I mean, I'm not blaming this movie for murdering Star Trek. Um, And but it is the last one to come out. It was the last movie to come out before. It was like one of the last one holding the bag. Yeah. And so while Star Trek V was a failure commercially and critically, it didn't kill the movie franchise, though, before six actually was pitched and approved. William Shatner was afraid that he killed the movie franchise Um, for a few years. This actually did. And everything about it, just from the start, is a failure. You've got a director with no experience who's directing people that have more directing experience and are better directors than he is. That you've got mad. You've got writers who, one of which had nothing, to, John Logan had nothing to do with Star Trek. You've got Rick Berman working on the script. It's like I said, at this point, he'd been working on the show, I think, since like season one of TNG. So he had been working on this for 15 years. And you got Brent Spiner working on it, which I'm not – nothing against Brent Spiner. But if you notice, most of this movie just focuses on Picard and Data and almost nobody else. Yeah. And so there's Brent, a lot – From what I understand, Brent Spiner's got kind of an ego. Yeah. Um, and look, I know some people consider – and people I'm, I'm talking with right now consider Insurrection to be worse. But to me, I'm sorry, this is the worst Star Trek movie. Is Insurrection, it does have script and story problems. I am not denying the many, many issues that movie has. And also, just putting this in perspective, I have not rewatched Insurrection in a few years, and I probably won't, because I'd, I'd like to keep the good memories I have of it. But it felt like that movie still had that little spark of energy. You know, Frakes' directing was still really good in it. The acting actually... Ha- in this movie, in Nemesis, everyone's just kind of sleepwalking through their parts. Uh-huh. And there's multiple, sh- there's multiple close-up shots of their faces where it's like, wow, why are you showing me a close-up of this guy's face so I can see how much he's not emoting? Right. You know, this movie was just doomed to failure from day one. And honestly, even if the script was better, which there's a lot of script problems... Stuart Baird flat out failed as a director for this movie, as someone with very little experience and someone who obviously did not give even half a shit about Star Trek at all. Yeah. And that's fine in some, in some roles. If you're just doing this as a job, that's fine. But not if you're the director of the movie who's supposed, who has the weight of you need to improve this product on your shoulders. Yeah. Yep. And I agree with Jonathan. I agree when Jonathan Frake said if he had directed it, the movie would have been better. Oh, I don't disagree with that. Yeah. In overall, I just don't, even... don't like this movie. I don't plan to watch it ever again. What's Jonathan Frakes doing these days? I think he's doing behind the scenes work. Yeah. I think he's doing like directing and producing work. As for me, this. This movie's tolerable to a point. It's bad. Don't get me wrong. It is bad. The reason that Insurrection just feels worse for me is just... One, it's a plot point already covered in the series with Wesley's final episode. Two, it's just... There's a... There's a lot dumb about it that... Just... Even just basic logic that is completely independent of the whole track politics and all that. And three, it was predictable to a fault. This, 
maybe this, besides the fact that it pulls a lot from Star Trek Two, isn't nearly as just stuck. And I guess I really hated the whole Data needs to learn how to have more fun storyline with the little kid. <laughs> so is that everybody? Or Joe, did you give us your final thoughts? I think I did. I think you gave me some of it. I mean, uh, I, I think I did, actually. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, gentlemen, thank you for coming on our 50th episode. It's much appreciated. Yep. Great to have so, you guys. Thanks. No it was fun. Alex, I hope you find uh, your job situation gets better. Yeah. <laughs> I actually uh, was given um, this week. I had two calls for potentials, but you know, at the time, I didn't know I was going to get fired. So I was like, "Well, yeah, call I them back. Kinda... Call them back." Yeah. So. Pretty sure and, Jeremy uh, hurt me. No, no, <laughs> dude. Like I said, I if you like this movie, that's perfectly fine. Like I said, I like Star Trek Five. You know, yeah. but that's just because for for me, Star Trek five is so bad. It's good. <laughs> well, speaking of guilty pleasures, what are we doing next, Jeremy? Uh, well, you know, before we get to that, let's tell people where they can find us so they can listen to more wonderful episodes like this one. Sure. You guys can find us at frustratedpodcast.com. You can find us on iTunes as the frustrated fans. And if you go on YouTube and look up the frustrated fans, you can actually find I've uploaded some clips from the shows, and Pete's been uploading some full episodes on there too. Yeah, uh, we're also on Feedburner now, so I saw to that. But for the next time, as I said, guilty pleasures. Although for me, it's not that guilty. Next time, we're oh. going to be taking on the the Batman movie, starring Adam yes. West. That one. I'm actually really looking forward to this because I, oh, I, I am I've too. never seen this movie and I've been looking for an really? excuse to watch it. Sometimes. Really? You've never seen I've it before? I've never seen it before. That's why oh. I was happy that we were doing this because I just kept forgetting to watch it. It's on my Amazon watch list and I keep forgetting about it. So this will give me a perfect reason to see it. Also, uh, if you guys want to check out my website, again, it's alexanderjersey.com. And if for some it's reason Joe. you wanted to hear more of my voice with my friend Spooky, go on over to YouTube and take a look at Second or None. Hire me! <laughs> and uh, let's hope out for the next 50 episodes. Awesome. See you later, folks. Take care, everybody. singing a song Nothing but blue Never saw the sun shining so bright, never saw things go.